0: Kia ora, welcome to the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur podcast. My name is Craig Murray and you have tuned in to the business panel Q&A session that we hosted at the Auckland Sweeney Festival in November 2022. It was hosted by Bridget Snelling, who's the country manager of Zero New Zealand. And on the panel, we had Justin Troy, co-founder of 42 Below Vodka, Ben Panther. He flew over from Sydney and he's the TikTok for business manager. Bob Drummond, co founder of Kami, which has 35 million users per day, and Grant Johnson, founder and CEO, I should say, of Rocket Spark, based in Cambridge, New Zealand. This is an awesome conversation about starting businesses, going global, the difficulties of starting a business in New Zealand, and with the plans to go global. Um, Bob and Justine really do get into it a little bit too and Ben um, offers some really good insights about TikTok and how you could use that for business and grants is epic. If you're not already using RocketSpot as your website platform, I suggest you have a look into it because they're Kiwi-owned Kiwi and operated and they are there to help you your business grow. So without further ado, I'll leave um, Bridget to take it away from here, but I hope you really do enjoy this one and share it around.
1: Hi, I'm Bridget Snelling, the Country Manager for Xero New Zealand. It is wonderful to be here today with you all and I'm delighted to host a panel with some very interesting uh, and expert people who will have lots of great stuff to share with you. So at Zero small businesses is at the core of what we do. Our purpose is to make life easier for SMBs, their advisors and communities. So it's a delight to support this SME and E-Fest and to be able to moderate this panel for you today. Hopefully you all learn a lot. Now, you did have the opportunity to ask questions through the Festival app yesterday, but if you didn't do that or, or miss the opportunity, you can still ask questions today. We will have Anna-Marie with, uh, roving with a mic on the floor. Okay, so without further ado, I'll um, bring the panelists up on stage and then they will introduce themselves to you. So first, we have Justine Troy, who is the co-founder of 42 Below joining us. Hi, come take a seat and grab a mic. Yeah, anywhere here. Uh, ben Panther, who is Strategic Partnerships for AUNZ at TikTok for Business, who you just heard from. We've got uh, Bob Drummond, who is the Executive Chairman, Chief Revenue Officer and Co-Founder of Cami. And then we were going to have Sarah Colcord join us today, but unfortunately she has gone down with COVID. So we're very fortunate to have Grant Johnson with us, who is the founder and CEO of Rocket Spark. Hi. Okay, so um, the panelists are gonna introduce themselves to you. So uh, why don't we kick off with you, Justine, if you wanna give a little brief bio? Yeah, what am I doing?
2: Just
1: introducing yourself.
2: Introducing myself. yourself. Hello, Hello. I'm Justine Golly, for those of you who were here with me this morning, you'll know far more about me than you probably needed to. Um, I'm looking forward to taking some questions and having a good chat. I am a disruptor, as you know, so if anyone says anything up here we don't like, just pick me and I'll sort them out.
1: (laughs) Ben, wouldn't you go next.
3: Amazing. Hey guys, you might have heard me earlier. Uh, my name is Ben from the Partnerships team at TikTok. Uh, I've really been in the kind of digital space for quite a while, previously in some startups, and just kind of how to make it accessible for brands as well, um, but really keen to kind of just unpack some, some heavy, maybe some hot topics as well. Was that working?
1: Yeah, keep it up, keep it up. Chris. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. Bob.
4: Yeah, hi everybody. I'm Bob. Uh, quick show of hands. Who's heard of the company Kemi? One, two, three. So, here's why you need to have heard of Kami. Kami is, over the last four years, New Zealand's fastest growing tech company. Uh, Also, more importantly, New Zealand's fastest growing exporter, and we've we've never rented a um, container or shipped anything. Uh, Also, the only New Zealand company this year named on Time Magazine's 100 most influential companies in the world so that's the kami that that's you've awesome. never heard of um kami i'm one of the co-founders at kami it's my fifth or sixth startup tech startup that i've been part of uh, i've been through startups that have crashed and burned in flames <laughs> uh, as well as uh, nasdaq ipo and countless uh, merger and acquisition activities
1: awesome and grant
5: Kia ora koutou, everyone. Uh, my name is Grant Johnson, founder, uh, co-founder and CEO of RockerSpark, which is a, a website-building platform used by small businesses to create their own websites and, and mainly actually used by graphic designers who are creating websites for, for their clients. And you know, we're passionate about helping small businesses, so we kind of do a lot of um, kind of training and, and education. Sorry that you had to put up with me as the B team. Uh, I generally hang out at the back and let the team do the stuff up the front, so we'll see how we go.
1: You're not beaten. we're very lucky to have you. Um, okay, well, let's kick it off. I'm gonna start with some of the questions submitted through the app directed at some of you. Um, and then we've got some questions that were offered up for anyone to answer. So I think we'll keep it pretty informal. Um, let's all pitch in and chat and uh, Justine, feel free to disrupt um, as you so desire as we go. Um, okay, so well, most of this audience here are small business owners, so let's, let's start with you. Um, Starting a business from the ground up is tough. I know I've done it myself, and it didn't work out all that well. Um, Reflecting on the journey you've been through, what's one piece of advice you would give uh, to yourself when you were first starting out?
4: Um, Talk to users of your product. Listen to users of your product. Mm and ignore everybody else.
1: That's great advice. Yeah. That's very customer centric. Do, do any of you have anything to add any other advice that you would give to founders? Well, I think
2: I think it's really interesting that you've just said ignore everybody else because my book is called Every Bastard Says No and I you know that's what you absolutely have to do, believe and and ignore all the bastards saying no. Okay.
5: Yeah, yeah, I remember right. that. Um, and the same thing, the, the um, founder of, uh, or co-founder of Netflix, you know, it was, he wrote a book called That'll Never Work, you know, the same same theme. And, yeah. you know, when we started Website Builder, people were like, well, isn't there already a lot of those? Yep, yeah, but so that blind, I, I love what you're saying before, Justine, that, that sort of, almost naive self-belief that, that I can do it, and
1: yeah. Well, that's actually a great, oh, sorry, Bob, I think you were going to
4: say yeah, so something. I was going to kind of add a bit to that. Um, and say, particularly ignore anybody trying to charge money for advice. So if you're starting a business, if you're a startup, if you're a little business getting started, there's a lot of people wanting to sell you advice or uh, how to protect yourself. So this is, I call it the fear industry. Um, You need to protect yourself from this, you need insurance, you need all of these things. you need to ignore that shut the door hang up the phone on anybody trying to charge you money for advice if you ever want to ask me advice just ask me I'm on LinkedIn or somewhere like that and probably any other entrepreneur in New Zealand will reply to you and give you their advice my advice is always biased by my experience and that but if you ask several people you'll probably get a get a view Um, don't pay anyone for advice and don't pay for protection Um, the biggest thing that will go wrong with a startup is you run out of money and your business will go bust. Uh, spending money on insurances and various protections and things is just going to shorten your runway and make it more likely that you'll fail. If you're, run, if you're escaping from a bear, jump in your car and go. Don't stop and put <laughs> your, traf- your seat belt on. That'll make it more likely that you Bob's die. Bob's
2: obviously had some quite bad experiences. <laughs> 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 I, I want to add to that though, and this is something I didn't say in my um, presentation this morning, is our mentors are so important for everybody. Jeff has a mentor, he's more than halfway through his life, um, I do, um, and I think that, um, that it is so important to find someone who shares your values, who knows your story, Uh, who you respect that you can use as a sounding board and you shouldn't be afraid to do that. I think a lot of young entrepreneurs or or middle-aged entrepreneurs get in their own way because they're not prepared to be vulnerable in their business and Kiwis are really good at trying to do everything to be good at every aspect of their business. Most people are not. So you do need to take um, advice and help. Um, and as Bob said, um, preferably not from someone who's um, charging you for it, um, someone who's got the very best interests of the business at heart.
1: That, that is all wonderful advice. Thank you so much. And I'm just going to pick up on a point you mentioned before, Grant, which is website builders aren't new ideas. Um, isn't a new idea. So what was the gap in the market that you saw and how did you go about filling that with RocketSpark?
5: Yeah, so and Bob's already touched on it. it just we, we went out and talked to, to lots of people and friends and family, and just like, what are your pain points? And and the the common themes that came through was the existing products are really difficult to use. Um, the end result looks like I shouldn't have made my own website. You know, it just looks like a dog's breakfast, and I can't get great help. You know, the support is rubbish. And so we thought, well, actually, and like we we can actually make something that's super simple, great support, and actually guide you towards best practice. And it just we've had people that um so some of the designers that that resell and and use our software and two of them today mentioned you know one of the the big ones um and they're like oh it's just so hard to use and like this is a multi-billion dollar company and here we are just a little kiwi company with you know sort of 20 odd people in cambridge but their preference is is actually rocket spark and so and what they love is the simplicity that it looks good and they can get great help so yeah i think that kind of understand your customers and and then again, just believe that you can actually do it.
1: Yeah, that's right, someone once said to me, you don't have to do something different, you just have to do something better than everyone else is doing it. So I think that's also something to remember um, as a small business owner. Um, ben, let's go to you. So TikTok, very cool, very cool place to work. I handle a question. <laughs> so um, TikTok is one of the fastest growing social media platforms. Um, so what's your advice, and you did just run a session, so many of you um, may have been privy to this already, but what is your advice for someone starting their first TikTok channel, and what is a good TikTok growth strategy?
3: Yeah, I think it's for, for brands right now on the platform, you know, when new platforms come around every couple of years, it's hard. Like, you know, we, we always have to adjust, is this the right time? When should you go now, do you go early? it's a kind of question of like, how is this platform worth it for us? And how do we move on to it as well? I think on TikTok, and we touched on it like just before is it is the most accessible that a platform has ever been for a brand. And that's purely because it's all built on being very raw and untapped. And so for brands, it's actually a bit of a weird one where you come onto it for the first time and you're really showing the most raw authentic side of your brand. You know, you're not trying to be polished and you're trying to show a product in its actual light, where it's very, we're not really used to that for brands. Brands are very used to showing the best version always uh, when they go out to market. Like this is us, this is the perfect product, this is it. On TikTok, it's really dive behind that and kind of unpacking it. So like getting started on the platform, honestly l- jump on the app, but learn from your competitors around what is already out there. And then like you guys said, do it better. Do it better than them with that kind of personal touch as well. In terms of growing on that, Again, really hear what people are saying about your business and use that as kind of how you will then move from piece to piece. And, you know, as well, these platforms all kind of built on an ads perspective as well. And TikTok now has that. And I think when I joined, it was very much in its early days of like a performance platform, just like the competitors. But now it's purely driving performance like we haven't seen in like a very long time as well. And so it's kind of a mix. Start organically, get on there find out what your competitors are doing in their vertical, and then try to start moving over to that paid perspective if you're already using your media budgets in different places, and then how can you then amplify your content on TikTok to really just supercharge it, get it out there to Kiwis, uh, and really kind of place your brand out there.
1: Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I'm. my kids love TikTok and I'm <laughs> still getting into it, but I think it's an amazing new platform, and we at Zero are also thinking about how do we use it to reach customers, so um, it's pretty exciting. Um, so, Justine, I'm going to head to you now. What do you think have been the benefits and challenges for you of building a startup in New Zealand?
2: New Zealand specifically, yeah. yeah. Look, I think um, I'm trying to be positive. It's a tough, I think it's a tough. Um, Uh, country. I know um, some of our friends have actually used it as a test market, some friends in the States and in Britain have used it as a test market, and you'd think you could have a collective conversation here pretty easily. It's a small market, great for testing products. I think as a New Zealander trying, uh, you know, entrepreneurial spirit is not um, really well received here. I think we're a very tough country um, to have a start-up in. But equally, um, you can, again, have that collective conversation reasonably um, quickly and get known reasonably quickly. So, um, look, I think the media are a little better than they were um, when we were starting out with 42 and um, a little bit better informed. Sometimes we would roadshow, show though with the Koya for example and we would do a road show here and you would find that the journalists asked pretty dumb questions and then you would be in Australia and suddenly the questions were global and they understood global trends and it was just a whole different level of um, journalistic analysis. So that's a little frustrating and our um, eldest son, has just um, started a, um, I guess it's the. It's called Carbon Z, and he's doing his PhD in carbon, and he's done a startup business, um, which is like the shares of carbon, so you can um, basically, as a small company, um, buy native credits and offset your carbon, right, and we've been watching him go through this journey um, pretty hands-off, to be honest, um, for a while, and It's really tough, and he seems to be hitting the same roadblocks that we hit along the way. Um, You know, tricky journalism, lack of support for entrepreneurial spirit, um, and you know, again, I just keep going. Gosh, if he was overseas, you know, everyone's like, "Have fun," you know, go for it. And and it's fine if you fail in other markets. And here, I feel I find it's just so much tougher to pick yourself up again. We're very hard on each other. I mean, you, you, it's tough talking to you guys because you're the you're the warriors. You're on the front line. You've chosen to be here to fight for your businesses, to learn more, um, and. You know, you are the ones that have my heart because it's um, it is hard, and I think New Zealand's particularly tough.
1: I'd love to know what the rest of you think. Yeah, that's super interesting, especially when you think about. You know, we we talk about a New Zealand number eight wire mentality, and you would think that we would be very supportive of our entrepreneurs. But Bob, what's been your experience?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I was nodding quite a bit (laughs) while Justine was talking. It is uh, as much as normally I'm up here on a stage. Swearing blind that it's not hard and New Zealand's a great place to start a start a business it is tough and I think um, yeah you hit on some of the things we're quite as a society I think we're quite risk averse Mm. Um, and that's fine for organizations corporates large organizations where risk is something to be mitigated in a startup risk is your whole reason for existing the risks you're willing to take to start your business Are The risks that no corporate will take and that's your whole competitive advantage. That's the reason you exist You go into it with risk. You look at risk um, As an entrepreneur you look at risk as a path to opportunity as a path to your future you embrace you run towards risk if you like Um, And that's kind of a bit counter in New Zealand um, Culture and society which is very difficult to combat a couple of things we did um, the, the consequences of of the, uh, the difficulty also of, of accessing capital and um, so forth. Um, we raised pretty much all our money offshore, US and Australia. Um, we, um, we've we largely ignored the New Zealand market, so we didn't use the New Zealand market as, a, as like a test market. Um, we've been basically a US domestic business from the beginning, um, 90% of our revenue um, comes from the U.S. Um, we are, yeah, basically operating as a U.S. company, looking internationally from there. But New Zealand, we did that because um, um, not just we're a long way from from everywhere, but when you're, when you're with a software business, cloud-based software business these days, pro- proximity is pretty irrelevant. I think we heard that before from Google as well. Um, So New Zealand is about the GDP and population of Arkansas or Iowa. So those states, if you think in the US, if you were in the US and you were going to start a software business, why on earth would you start a business focused on Arkansas? But the advantage of every US business and the reason they dominate the world is a massive domestic market. So we decided to make that our domestic market. So from the beginning, we only talked to users in America and we build a product that they needed
5: and they wanted.
1: Well, that's fascinating. Grant, have you got anything to add to that experience?
5: Yeah, I think one thing with starting a, a software company in New Zealand is, you know, we walk out of our office in Cambridge and there's the florist and the shoe shop and the Homeware Boutique. And 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 if you're rubbish, everyone in the town knows you're rubbish, so it kind of means that your service standards are high. and you know, your auntie and your nana know you're rubbish, and maybe just nana that had the input on 42 Below, you know, you, you've got to be good. And we've done the Zero Road roadshows and XeroCon and, um, events up in the UK, and people are like, what's it with all you Kiwi software companies? You actually make good software and you look after us. And so Xero's you know, done a good job of kind of that, that ethos. And so there, there is a respect for New Zealand software um, offshore. That's already kind of, you know, bigger companies have paved the way, but it is a challenge. Like now we're kind of growing offshore just the distance to kind of – sometimes you just got to turn up, and so the distance is a challenge.
2: And my, my thought is um, what does it mean for you guys, like to be in, uh, building businesses and being entrepreneurs in a tough, um, tougher market? It's the same fight in a way that um, any sort of slightly marginalised group has. You just have to go harder, be stronger, fight more – um, and communicate better to, um, to to raise the profile of your brands and your brand story.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think it's really interesting hearing your experiences. And I hope none of you are feeling despondent after that. But I, I like um, Justine's approach about just dig deeper, because I think Kiwis are known for that. And um, definitely you need to have resilience um, as a small business owner. Oh, we have a question from the floor. Yes, we you can. Now... Um, and Amari, we have, we will we'll do that. We've got some more questions here, but I think let's just open it up and have a chat, absolutely, so we'll just get a mic over to you so everyone can hear. We've got this gentleman in the front here, oh.
6: Oh no, but then everybody else wouldn't
3: be able to hear. Yeah. Kia ora. I just wanted to quickly jump in with a question on this topic rather than it yeah, passing great. Way. Because I am in the New Zealand market with a New Zealand product and everyone keeps telling me expand, go to Australia, go to America, go faster, harder, sooner. And I'm just sitting here like, ah, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) So obviously you guys have all gone overseas and, and made the big moves overseas. Being one year into business, what is the right time to go and expand to America or Australia or both?
2: Straight away, because um, we have this saying at home: it's the crowded house syndrome. If you make it overseas, then you'll make it faster in New Zealand, you know. Um, And and I think that for us, I mean, I think I mentioned that we had a blind taste test. We did well in the UK. Um, Australia um, loved Forty Two. They were they were a big brother giving a little brother a hand up. And every time we got international. Feedback and accolades, and they were picked up in the media. Here, suddenly, New Zealand was like, "Oh, okay, something cool's going on." That 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 brands had the nod from overseas. So, um, that's you know, our, was our experience anyway.
4: Yep, agree 100% day what So we went we went for that for day one. So in that in initial few years that it takes you to find your product market fit. So with us, it took probably three or four years to really find. The product market fit to start scaling revenue. Um, do you want to do that in a market with three million potential consumers, or one with three hundred and fifty million potential in your first market? Why would you choose New Zealand? Given Bob the proximity, relevant. are getting are
1: relevant. on very well, aren't we? It's definitely a theme <laughs> <laughs> approach, but I think it's it's awesome, and you know it's good. It's scary, obviously, but um, sage advice. Yep.
5: I'd start building relationships with. Um, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise as well. And I, I say relationships, because if you just turn up and go, hey, I want to export and they'll go, who are you? But if you actually invest the time, turn up to the events, go to the training, find out who a potential account manager might be and start building those relationships. Like in our early days, the support just wasn't there at all. Like it was just kind of, it was frustrating. But as we invested ourselves and built the relationships, now the support we're getting is, is amazing. Like it's almost embarrassing in terms of some of the support that, that we've had. Um, so, but the relationships are key there.
2: Uh, Honestly, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, when we started out with 42, were literally lying on lounges in LA eating donuts and fucking nothing else. And what has happened (laughs) since then, um, like we, 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 we we did their job for them. Like we just got on, got into those markets and did it. And now they are just a different beast. They have, they are incredible. And I couldn't um, can't say any more about them. So just absolutely make those connections and and yeah, l- let them fall in love with your brand and let them
1: help you take it to the world. I will carry on with the questions we've had submitted, unless anyone has got anything on the topic that they would like to add right now. Okay. Um, So let's talk a little bit about digitization and productivity. Um, There was a a recent... piece of research that we actually at Zero commissioned with the New Zealand Institute of Economic Research, and it was really fascinating because it showed that New Zealand is really lagging behind in productivity, and um, it, it showed that we um, to catch up to the average level of productivity for the OECD, we would each need to work an extra eight hours each week, and to catch up to Ireland as the most productive nation, we would need to each work an extra 10 hours every day, which obviously is impossible unless you're not sleeping at all. So this is where digitization comes in and where it's really important for productivity for our nation. And I'm really interested um, in any experiences, you've mean, you're obviously in, in software, but as a farmer, Justine, um, <laughs> whether there's anything that you have seen or any tech that has helped you become more productive, because I know there's quite a growing space um, in Agri on digitization.
2: Oh look, so we have um, we've tested all sorts of things um, and it's, you know, you, um, you would have seen the QR code um, that you scan on a jumper and it tells you where the um, animal is in the paddock. Um, we're doing iris, which is the scanning of a, um, of a sheep's eye so um, that we can, um, you know, get all the stats on that animal, which is amazing um, technology and it's, it's in development. Um, soon we hope hope not to need fences because fencing is a bastard, and um, you know they'll they'll have their collars and we'll be able to just move them on our iPad to the next um, to the next paddock. So I'm super excited, but um, it, it's also about the um, environment. So it's about um, water usage and um, look we've got a we've got a device at the moment where we can have put poo under a microscope and see how many worms are in that particular. Thesis, so we know what's going on and rather than having to send it off and wait days it now is right there for us and that's really amazing because can you imagine it's less inputs we don't need to treat an animal for something we don't want to so there are so many efficiencies that are really exciting that are happening and um, look I mean when you said digitization um, I was just like Ugh. I mean. I mean that is, but I'm watching my son with his app, and I'm just going crikey. I see where the future is going. I see how it can help save the planet. I, um, I'm yeah. For us um, as as farmers, but also as activists, we can see that um, you know if people can buy carbon credits easily or whatever it is, um, then the world's going to be the richer for it. And we certainly
1: are on farm. That's that's for sure. So, so throwing it over to the rest of you, what is your advice? Because I know as a small business owner, it can be overwhelming. You know, you're good at what you do, um, but then you think, well, how can I be more efficient and what is tech that can help me? And it can seem overwhelming. So what is your advice to people who are facing into, um, you know, pain points where technology can help, but they feel like they're not experts in using that tech and so it's difficult? Any advice?
5: Yeah, pr- probably if I wasn't running Rocket Spark, I'd actually be doing a company that kind of basically made it accessible for small businesses to get the advice and do that at scale. Because you have some great advisors, but they're quite expensive to get it. And in the early days of Rocket Spark, the, even the thought of, I think back then it was like 40 or 50 bucks for zero. And, and I was formerly an accountant. And I was like, I can do that in Excel. After a couple of GST returns, I was like, okay, 50 bucks. Can't, can't do it in Excel. <laughs> 50 bucks a month. Yeah, I kind of built a model, but it was just. Finding those GST transactions, and, and um, yeah, so so now, like, and we're still a relatively small business. You know, it's probably you know around ten grand a month we're paying for different software tools that that help us run our business, and um, and that's still really really valuable. Probably talking to, to your peers in business and is probably a key place to start um, the zero add-on marketplace. And when you're looking at reviews, probably when it comes to software, I wouldn't touch anything below four stars, or even probably four and a half, because you know, we ask people that are happy with the software to leave a review, and but to go from say four and a half to five is actually quite a lot of effort. You've really got to be on your game. So there's a review sites like the Zero Addle Marketplace or Captera where a good places to go and and just look and see what software is there, um, and just ask. Like you know, companies like us, we're always you know, people asking about booking systems that can plug into websites, and and we see that those businesses that do adopt the technology they generally accelerate at a faster rate. And I know 0 I'm not on the payroll for zero, but they've done studies. You know, in terms of people that adopt the, the various kind of connections into zero. they generally um, are in business and survive and thrive just because they're using technology to help them. Yeah,
1: there is plenty of research to support that. Bob, anything to add or Ben?
4: Um, yeah, I don't think I'm qualified to help anyone who's not familiar with technology to, to do it. Um, uh, I can tell you what some things we've we've done so on productivity so cami sits between netflix and airbnb on revenue per employee kind of productivity level Um, and the two ways we've done that um, the major way is by building a scalable product of course that you can serve 35 million people um without having to hire lots more staff Uh, That's really New Zealand's problem. Agriculture and tourism are not scalable businesses. They can only grow revenue by adding staff. That's our real productivity problem. We don't have enough scalable businesses in the country. Uh, The other one is efficiency that you mentioned and the efficiency within our business um, that definitely isn't just replicable by anybody, but um, our principle in the business was as founders, we did everything ourselves as long as we could, until we couldn't cope anymore with doing it um, as we grew and scaled. Um, and then we first, we tried to automate it. So by doing it yourself, you know all the foibles, you know all the edge case, you know all the problems, you know all the challenges about it, and you can automate it. Um, after that, if we can't automate it, or there's a bit left over of work that can't be automated, then we would hire people to do that work. So it goes, do it yourself until you're totally familiar with that job, whatever part of the business it is, then sit down and automate it, um, and only then hire um, people, and then you get to kind of efficiencies.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Of course, that's um, a good segue to another question, which is around um, retention of staff and hiring staff. So we are obviously in a very tight labour market in New Zealand, and... Um, small businesses are having to compete with big business to to hire staff where technology can't do the job, and they do need humans. I know that there's um, there's a, a company speaking later today called Orchestra that have an employee share scheme. They're an SMB too, and that is obviously one way to attract and retain staff. But what are some other um, pieces of advice you guys would give in your experience for SMBs competing for you know a small pool of talent?
3: I think if I was to kick off this one, actually, Thank from you, a bit ben. of a different perspective. Um, I, it comes down to trust, you know, with COVID that really kind of took everyone for a bit of a ride with like working from home. And it came down to trusting your employees to kind of make the call to trust them to work from home, do all those pieces as well. Um, and I, I find that like with retention and that piece of with employees that you work with, it all comes down to like, do you, do they have, do you have full trust in them uh, to either do the job? And if they feel that, then they feel secure and everything they kind of do as well because you want them, you know, we got kind of got to be flexible now. Like COVID kind of opened up the kind of norm of working. Like it's now, you now kind of, you know, it's not just sometimes nine to five. Maybe it's you start at 10, you have to go to doctor's appointment. There's there's no kind of questions on that. And it's the ability to kind of just be able to be really trusting of them to make the right call, get the uh, get the actual work done by the end of the day and get that delivered. Um, but having that trust with them is the Biggest thing I've found when it comes to retention of like working in tech companies, if we feel trusted, we feel safe, uh, and we want to continue to keep uh, doing that as well.
1: Or you could be like me and just have seventeen dogs.
3: That works as well. <laughs> mm.
1: Maybe um, they could do some things. I'm not sure. I could employ your dogs to help with zero, but you never know. They might be very smart. Anything to add, you guys?
5: Yeah, with um, so we're we're a small business, and when you know we've, we've self-funded Rocket Spark and then you see like the last few years prior to last few months has kind of been a heyday for VC funding and there's ridiculous money coming in and that also flows through to the ridiculous salary so it's 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 a challenge and we've, we've recently surveyed our, our team and we said what's the most important things to you and just to understand the various benefits that we could offer and, and the number one thing was just actually about being a delightful place to work you know whether there's purpose and there's culture um, we care for each other um, and we do that in different ways. We have mums working kind of around daycare hours and work four days a week, and, and another developer, he works four days a week and then works on a game for himself. And so there's things like that of keeping it really human. Pay was the second on the list, and then I think third on the list was flexibility. And um, yeah, so, it's, so it's things you can actually do as a small business that actually create an environment that's just so delightful and, and kind and caring and, and, and really purposeful in, in what you do that you're not necessarily just competing on ridiculously big salaries. Um,
4: yeah. 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 Do any of those people on those ridiculous salaries call them ridiculous?
5: <laughs> uh, it depends what the demands on their life are, eh? Uh, sometimes they do, yeah.
4: Yeah, I, I, um, I agree. The um, I pick up on a key point. You said, yeah, do something meaningful. People, um, apart from the ridic- ridiculous salaries, um, everybody wants to do something meaningful in their life. So. Um, so CAMI, our application, it's used in education. So it's used by 35 million teachers and students in 210 countries every day in classrooms around the world. Um, when COVID hit a course, it was um, very useful. And we had teachers, you know, virtually in tears thanking us for what we were able to do for them, to help them to stay engaged with their kids when they weren't able to see them for months and months in other countries. Um, and people come and work for us. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to compete on salary, um, supply and demand, um, but um, yeah, do something meaningful in your business and people will come and join you.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Um, Okay, so time is running away from us. It's such a great discussion. So do we, um, Anna-Mari, maybe we'll open up to questions from the floor.
6: Yep, we already have questions rolling. Um, So I'm going to just jump into our business panel questions. If you're submitting on the app, I am getting them. So, um, oh, you've got a question, Craig. All right, then. Mm
0: Kia ora, Craig here. Hey, my question is, Bob, you said run to risk. Run towards risk and don't be afraid of it, but how do you emotionally manage that risk? And you're, like For me, anyway, doing risky things keeps me up at night, and and how to actually manage that risk emotionally is really, really tricky. I've, um, I've, I've sort of started to try and manage it better now, but I'm interested to see what, what what you all do in terms of when you are, are actually pushing boundaries and, You don't know if you've got the belief but you don't know whether or not it's actually going to happen how do you how do you process that so as i say i've been through
4: a number of startups some that um have crashed and burned and one thing i learned is when starting a startup just start from an expectation that you're going to get nothing out of it just the 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 problem you can get with your with your mental state <laughs> mental health is some um, assuming or hoping or expecting that you're going to get some huge payoff out of it because it is devastating when that disappears in a puff of smoke but if you go into it knowing the most likely outcome of any startup is you come out of it with nothing it goes bust it runs out of cash most startups don't turn into unicorns right most of them and um yeah, the most likely outcome is that. So, just accept that. Most likely, there's there's a thousand things that can go wrong. The general, uh, they all result in one thing: you run out of cash. That's why all the other risks um, and protections are irrelevant. But just go into it with that expectation, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. When that
2: is so grim. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
4: Start with no expectation. Oh. you're depressing
2: me (laughs) oh yeah okay well um what did we do uh what do we do look um i think um you know that hanging tight as a team is so important um you know, if you if you don't have a thick skin and deep reservoirs of resilience and support, then you really don't want to be an entrepreneur. Um, so if it's hurting too much, then it's possibly not for you. And I remember a girlfriend of mine read the book and she'd been with us the whole way. In fact, she was such a booze hag. She was always ordering it. She just asked for it by name and pushed and pushed and pushed, I bless her to this day, Um, but she she read the book and she said, oh my God, I had no idea you guys were going through all that, we were having our children, I had miscarriages, we were unable to get $20 out of the cash flow machine, you know, we shat ourselves from dawn till dusk, Um, so like that's, that's the normal, right, I think for anyone, you know, No one gets from there to there without a whole world of pain. And um, so maybe then it's not for you if you're you're not up for that. And and if you're in it, then have a mentor, um, someone who can tell you when it's time. Um, but also someone who can give you your exit strategies and stay positive and thank you Bob so for ruining everybody's <laughs> dreams. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's that's, you know, it's tough, it is, this is a particularly tough place to do it, but if you can keep pushing and you have belief and you have the right support around you and you know that you're a resilient character, then you can get there. I mean, there are incredible success stories out of this country. We do punch hard, and and we do extremely well across such a range of sectors. Um, it's really quite phenomenal. So you know, if you are in it, stay in it, keep going, find your purpose um, to run alongside you, and um, yeah, believe.
4: You suck. Find a way to find a way to accept living with the risk
5: every day.
2: Thank you. That's a great summary.
5: Uh, uh, <laughs> kudos. No, to, so, I, I, if you don't know, like Craig's the guy behind putting this on, and and yeah. and and it's a, such a brave thing, like to to, yeah. to step out and book a venue of this size and, and in a challenging time for small businesses. But yeah, so kudos. Yeah, awesome, you know, so Craig. It's, you know, <laughs> brave, brave people. Uh, you know, inspire and. Um, through COVID, it was you know, our, our clients are small businesses, and that was like pretty freaky when they most of them kind of had to close their doors. and And then for us, things went absolutely nuts, and that was challenging as as well because it went nuts. and We're like, this is really stressful. and In, in terms of that list of, you know, Jehan Jihan um, put up the other day, like probably ticked a fair few of those things. and We actually got someone in just to give us some advice with the founders. And he did the you know, diet and exercise and all those things. We probably spent half an hour on that of like a three quarters of a day. And the rest of the day was was on values. You know, what are our personal values? So are we actually in this business living to our values? And one of our key ones that we started a software company was freedom. So are we actually free? Have we got the team in place that enable us that it doesn't actually rely on us turning up every day? So living, living to values. And I think what's really interesting right now, and that's where we have to look after each other, is... Um, you know, so our business, our clients are small businesses and we have really good retention, You know, great service and great product, but right now we're seeing the highest rate of small business closures that we've we've ever seen and it's not financial distress, it's actually they've done it hard through COVID and they've survived and they're coming out of the other side and now there's recruitment and there's um, inflation and all these things and it's, it's really tough. So I think probably the challenges for New Zealand small businesses and how we support them is probably a real key issue. And, and actually, again, I promise I'm not on the payroll of, of zero, but I, I know people that have utilised the zero um, employee assistance program, yeah. and and it's actually very very good. Like if you try and book and get in with a, um, a psychologist or a counsellor right now, be like good luck to you. But if you actually go through the EAP. Like, I know people have got in within a matter of weeks, which is quite amazing. Yeah. Why
1: don't I do a little plug for it now then? Um, so, if you're a zero customer, just in case you don't know about this, we have the zero assistance program. And what that means is that you and your family can access free and confidential counselling, there's three sessions minimum. Um, through Benistar is the um, organization that runs it for us. So, you know, we hear what you're saying. We've also seen um, the usage of XAP has doubled in the past year. So that is a clear sign that small businesses are hurting. You know, times are tough. And having just come through COVID, it's like getting knocked down again with inflation and, you know, tight labor market and all the other stresses. So um, absolutely check that out if you haven't already or if you or, or someone you know is in need of support.
2: That's so cool. Um, Penny, I did this little, um, I played this video of Penny, um, which is just a discounter that had tapped into the suffering globally of youth at the moment, given that they've missed, you know, um, two years of all the normal stuff, and they did an amazing ad campaign around that and said, we see you, we hear you, we empathise with you, and, you know, that these are the times we live in, and, and I think it's good, so good on you guys.
6: All right, I'm I'm jumping in. We've got
1: so many questions. I'm over
6: here now. I was like, where are you? (laughs) Um, Okay, let's let's,
1: let's go. We haven't got much time. I'm not sure. Let's just keep going until someone tells us we have to stop.
6: Yeah, Yeah, well... Yep, I've got you, don't worry. I wanna get through some of these questions because they are on the app and they've been sitting here and I wanna make sure we have time um, for our folks out here. So one of the questions I think is super interesting, it says, how would you change the way the tertiary sector provides training for business and innovation? And what sort of courses would you like to see on offer?
1: Also training for business. Is, this, is entrepreneurial spirit something that can be taught? Or maybe maybe I mean you know you can you can learn the skills but is it inherent? Do you think? I don't know. I'm going to twist that question a little bit.
2: Yeah, I really looked into this um, when I was writing the book, and um, I think it's um, it's part within you. But um, look, Jeff, for example. Um, is off a farm and he had a father who rewarded him for, um, skinning eels or selling possum skins. And so, um, he was constantly reinforced by a man who didn't say much because he was selling and creating and building something. So I think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that you can teach deep entrepreneurial spirit. I think it's probably infused into you. Um, having said that, one of my sons is at Otago and he's studying entrepreneurship, but um, he was standing on the street selling stuff when he was six, so he's been, I think he was born um, to be a little entrepreneur. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I still don't know the exact
1: formula to that, um, but it's both. So is that, um, you said your son's studying entrepreneurship, is yep. that a great. That's at Otago. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't even know you could do a degree in that now. That's yeah, fascinating. A micro so, a
6: micro-credential actually at um, either the Mind Lab or Tech Futures Lab also offers a micro-credential in entrepreneurship. Yeah. There's a number of,
2: yeah. But um, you, the question up. was school, yeah. wasn't it, though. It, was, it? It was, was
6: about tertiary education and, and training for business, right. really, because we don't mm-hmm. really learn business, do we? So it wasn't necessarily about being an entrepreneur per se, but yeah. But I think that that covered it really well. I think that was great. Are we happy to move on from that? Say yes. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. So a question here. Um, we've got so many. Um, what techniques do you use or what are your tips to get people to understand and sign on to your vision? And this can be open to anyone. Mm,
2: TikTok.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think with, with these ones, of getting people to sign on. It's all around, like I think here we have like quite a lineup of sometimes, can sometimes be complicated products. And i think it's being able to take it to a level where you know you always like whenever someone practices for a presentation it's like if you presented that to like your mom or your dad would they understand it and it's been uh, being able to take it down to that granular level and like really make it simple to understand for people to buy onto a vision on what you're trying to do here as well and i think it's like articulating yourself in a way that is accessible people get it because I think sometimes you, and for businesses, when you start up, you get in that tunnel vision, right? You're so focused on the end goal and you're trying to, you know, you're thinking of the five-year plan. And I think it's just, you guys touched on a lot around, you know, just being being ready to fail and fail fast because that is all about learnings as well. Um, And it's that ability to really be able to take it simply and be able to push it to people and articulate exactly the end goal of what you're trying to do here. But think about it in a way of like, if I was to explain this to your parents or to your mom, your dad, your sister, how would you do that? And if they don't understand it, then you can really pitch that vision uh, to whoever you're trying to get on board, if that's employees or partners or funding rounds and those pieces as well.
6: I might piggyback on this, Ben, because you're in the and and anybody else can comment as well. I hope you don't mind. I'm kind of like corralling right now, Bridget. I apologize. No, no, I just great. know that go, we're on a time frame and I want to make sure everybody gets heard. Um, what does the future of digital marketing look like?
3: Yeah. Well, that's a it's a big question. Um, but it's something and we've we've touched on it a lot, we're now in though you see the areas of like of where technology is kind of moving from with these platforms. Uh, And we're very much now in the video era and it's short form, it's long form, it's everything in between as well. Uh, And it's of course, mobile first. And I think what we're moving to is you're seeing a lot of centralization of things that are happening on app now. So before the traditional way of purchasing was, you know, you'd see an ad, you'd jump onto the website, you didn't purchase that's becoming on app more than ever. Uh, And so if that's shopping, if that's downloading, if that's doing different things as well, what you'll see is really brands would now are going to start building on these marketplaces like you have Amazon and you have those different things, but they're going to start expanding on platforms exactly. So when businesses start, it's now, you know, you get the website going, which is great. That will always be the foundation, but a lot more of what happens from transactional to repurchasing to those parts will start to happen on app more than ever before. So, for example, TikTok, next year we're bringing TikTok Shopping. That brings your catalog onto the app so you can check out there. And in Indonesia and UK, you have TikTok Shop, which is full integration. You can check out and purchase on TikTok, which is incredible. You see it, you see something you like, you purchase it, you check out, all happens within an app. And that's, that's really this next arrow move in terms of shopping and integrating with it. Oh, you were shaking your head a little
0: bit.
6: Yeah, do you guys want to finish up? We'll finish up on this question, actually, I think. So if you guys want to all chime in, that would be great. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, I do. Um, Just to be contrarian again. um, um, uh, Yeah, so I was listening earlier to the presentation by Google and by TikTok and by Ben's answer there. Um, There may be an assumption by a lot of people in listening to it that in growing a startup business, the path to growth is advertising. So I'll tell you that's not necessarily so and it is increasingly not true. Um, Please think hard about that before you launch an ad-driven business. If advertising is your sole path to growth and revenue, I would suggest uh, try a different direction, a different business. So Kami got to 35 million users, 200 countries, um, without advertising. So we didn't spend money on advertising. We've only ever raised a small amount of capital, to to be honest, and that was one of the reasons why we didn't advertise, because we couldn't afford to. But these days, it's only been possible in probably the last seven, eight years That you can build a successful global scalable business um, without advertising and we did it with by building a product like I said talking and listening to users very closely first a few users then a few hundred users then a few thousand users and yes talking to them not sending newsletters or writing blogs or content marketing or any other broadcast method, talking to them on the phone, on Zoom, uh, chatting on a Facebook channel, on Twitter, but actually one-to-one talking to these users. We were able to build a product that these users loved. And what these users then did was they went and talked to other people who might find this product useful. And that was our primary path to growth. So we did that, like I say, reaching 35 million users in 200 countries.
3: Without spending money, I'm afraid, on TikTok or Google. No, I second that. I absolutely second that. And we touched on early, saw so if you saw the creative one, we touched on Ellie. Uh, she created a product called Contour Cube. She literally she didn't so Ellie's actually only recently done paid in any capacity. It was all built on TikTok. And your thing around engaging with them was absolutely that. She made it it was all built 3D printed, right? And so it was a feedback engine constantly it was like, is this right? Should we change this? How would you guys like it? And it was all built on just organically engaging and having that feedback because you're right, feedback from the direct users will tell you exactly where you need to pivot to. And the more you can get, the more you can kind of make it the the end goal that you're trying to achieve as well.
2: I don't know. <laughs> I'm just a sheep farmer from Otago. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do think that... Um, Two things, I think um, PR is uh, wonderful. Um, you know that word of mouth that I think you're alluding to is is one of the most effective tools that you can that you can access. So knowing it and making making that your friend, I think, is really important. Um, and again, I'm agreeing with Bob. Um, we have a um, marketing sort of events assistant who's amazing, Grace, um, but she does not pick up the phone. And I've been telling her for three years to pick up the phone. And I just think you can't beat it. And I know the phone is now Zoom as well, and that's great. But anything that puts you face-to-face um, is, is a wonderful thing. And now that we can do that, I think, to build our businesses, we should. Um, yeah, so PR and, um, and mentors and um, pick up the phone.
5: For, for us, um, Happy Customers has been our biggest growth driver, so happy you know, enjoying the product and the service. And then with, with NZTE support, actually, we just did a campaign, um, or like a series of campaigns over a sort of a period. And the first one, we spent about 20 grand engaged in agency in Australia, and they helped us, and it was like our first kind of foray into advertising at scale. And it's kind of almost embarrassing to say, and I know this is on, on camera, but it was, I think we got about 10 leads from just, it was like a brand, like not not even a brand, it was kind of like, hey, there's these, you know, a cool website builder, it's going to help you, looking back, it's kind of almost embarrassing. And then we, we did a campaign where we just took a bit of a really targeted, narrow bit of content on laying out a website. It was very, very niche and very focused. And... With actually spending much less, we got about 1,500 leads. And so we were just helping people in, in their journey and providing information that were gonna, was going to help them. And so, so now we've got 1,500 people that we can start having a conversation. They're not all customers. And for us, you know, one of those leads, because they're graphic designers representing lots of businesses, can be worth tens of thousands or, or hundreds of thousands of, of dollars of, of revenue. So we can afford to spend a bit per, per one. But yeah, just actually helping people and providing relevant content that just, they're like, shucks, that was helpful. Thanks, guys. What do you do?
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm afraid we've run out of time. We're going to have to wrap it up, but I think we could chat all afternoon. Um, but I guess key outtakes from that discussion, you know, customer-centric, listen to your customers, put your people at the heart of your business and be relevant and provide relevant, relevant content that's going to be useful for others. Um, any final words of wisdom and encouragement um, any of you would like to impart to our wonderful audience today?
4: I'll uh, I'll tell you my three things, the three things that will decide if your um, business is going to be successful, apart from once you're talking to users. Um, I always say uh, focus, find your one thing and focus on it and say no to everything else. Work hard. When you start a startup business, the deal you're taking on, the real risk you're taking on, is you're committing to put 20, 25 years of work into the next 10 years, for a 10% chance of earning 100 times what you would in salary in that period. Um, And you have to put that work in. So work hard, Uh, that's sometimes called execution. Um, And the other one is be lucky. Unfortunately, that's the one you can't control. The other two you have control over. You can focus and not get distracted and fritter your money away and piss it up the wall on stuff you don't need. Uh, You can work your guts out We were working in 2020, uh, founders and the whole team were working 16, 17, 18 hours a day, seven days a week for 10 straight months. Um, Put the hours in, but above all else, be lucky.
1: I love be lucky. Justine, any wisdom? Oh, just what everybody
2: is saying to us right now, um, which is keep going. And, um, you know, we're, Working on um, trying to demonstrate that farming can be part of the solution to the climate change, and um, it is tough. It's tough to be a change maker in any sector. It's very tough to be a change maker in agriculture, and um, we have incredible support. And every time people say it to me, I get quite emotional. And they say it all the time: "Keep going,
1: keep going." Don't give up. Ben, Grant, anything to
5: add? Yeah, I guess if you're like Ted Lasso and you've in that program where he puts like Believe above the door and kind of gets you to do it. Or if you've seen an Adam Sandler movie and he's like this with Rob Schneider, he's like, you can do it. You know, it was, yeah, you can do it.
3: <laughs> I think like the only thing is um, be mindful of tunnel vision. I think it's like in startups, you can get very into it without kind of stepping back and thinking um so be mindful get people to check you you know really ask and kind of have people around you that can give you that feedback you're like am i my thing about this the right way is that is this making sense um so yeah be, be aware of tunnel vision when you're getting into things getting into the grooves be mindful
1: yeah enjoy the journey every day is a blessing so don't wish it all away okay well thank you so much for your time and attention we will leave it there but justine ben bob and grant thank you so much
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I know you would have got a lot of value out of it. And Justine and Bob were really awesome, as well as Ben and Grant. And thank you so much, Bridget, for moderating that. Um, Bridget is the country manager for Zero. We have got the next NZ Smeni, which is focused on growth and scaling business, which is in Wellington in July 2023 and in, um, in Shed 6. We're looking forward to hosting that one and you'll start seeing some Um, brand and marketing going out to your inboxes and socials very shortly in the next few weeks but hope you enjoyed it share it around whatever platform you are consuming this content if you could give it a star share it around Show you like it because every single little bit of content that's shared helps us out a little bit and that's awesome thanks so much have a great day and looking forward to putting out the next podcast